Hello and welcome to the Room of Lives. I am your host, Neil. Today I'm talking to my friend Jawen or Jackie, who has been on this podcast before. Jackie's from China. She studied psychology and she's now a data scientist in California. She likes to read and write fiction, especially sci-fi, think about philosophy, and her mind is a treasure trove of many interesting ideas, and we always have very interesting conversations whenever we meet. For today's conversation, you should really hang on to your butt, because we are going on a whirlwind tour across an unbelievable intergalactic diversity of topics. Also, I confess it's misleading to advertise Jackie as today's guest because, as you'll find out, I'm the one who'll be doing most of the talking. I'm sorry about that, but I notice that in her presence, I just tend to talk a lot. So apologies to Jackie, but also thanks to her for being a person with whom I have the space to express myself so much. Okay, we begin with talking about the platonic ideal, which is the idea of perfect, incorruptible forms from ancient Greek philosophy. I have this weird belief that the human mind has always wanted to manifest these perfect forms in reality, and today's electronic devices and digital content are an example of how we are physically manufacturing them in real life. Related to this is the question, how does the idea of perfect forms even arise in minds that live only in an imperfect world? On a broader note, do we even know and understand how our own minds work and reach its conclusions? For example, why was I in such deep denial in a previous relationship when it's so clear to see through it now? Why do we enter and stay in relationships that do not nourish us? We talk about the experiences of scarcity versus fulfillment in human connections and the value of platonic relationships. Is the love we are looking for locked inside of other humans? What is true love and what is the point of loving others? Are humans intrinsically materialistic? How can I deal with the fact that I am not already spiritually perfect? Would I take a pill that instantly gives me a whole human life's experience? We then talk about total inevitable connection to life and we talk about suffering how suffering dilates time, and how we can open to our suffering with kindness and space. Trust me, these topics are connected. Have fun. Some kind of intro? No. Okay. We'll get right down to it. No small talk. <laughs> Great. There's not enough time in life <laughs> for, for small, small talk. talk. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Is it? Yeah, I think it is. Okay. Cool. Cool. Let's make the sound and see if it makes the same shape in both. <laughs> yeah. 
Look at that. <laughs> what if I'm closer here than to the other one? Well, yeah, slightly bigger. Okay. All right. Wow. Immediately makes sound to visual shapes. That's pretty cool. That's not all that cool. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. No, I think the transformation between different sensations is pretty cool. Yeah, it's like something cool. audible. Also, how it does visual. it in real time. Mm -hmm. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. See, but it, this your phone thinks that we are slightly in a different address. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I want to start with a completely different thing that has nothing to do with the rest of the podcast, Please. but uh, just a thought that occurred to me now because I saw the slightly different address. Mm -hmm. Do you know about the platonic ideals? Which part of it? Uh, so I myself don't know too much about it, but okay. the idea that there are this, the, the world that we live in is a kind of distorted or corrupted or incomplete unfinished imperfect image of that which is perfect incorruptible and like you know like heavenly like for example all of the circles that you have seen in your life in nature or elsewhere none of them are perfect but there should be a perfect version of it yeah like somewhere. there is a perfect circle or the idea of the perfect circle is in our minds mm -hmm. only and there are these platonic solids, these perfect solids with completely regular solids and things like that. You can think of mathematical concepts. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is that living in a world where everything is kind of Im imperfect, impure, you know, living in a world like that, there are these minds that are created in this imperfect world that are capable of envisioning things that are perfect. But that perfect thing only exists as um, an imagination in our a mind. A concept. Yeah, a concept. So for a long time in human history, we have lived in the dirt, imagining the perfect, you know, the perfect circle. But we have been making circles that are only rough or mm -hmm. approximated, mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. So this is a little bit about what humans make. What humans make or see or find or design. Humans are the only animal that designs and makes things and what we make is you know it's, it's not perfect um, but I feel like psychologically always we have been pointed towards this idea of making things that are perfect or more perfect than what we made yesterday and more perfect means more closer to this ideal circles more circular you know and more reproducible. 3,000 3, years back, if someone made three circles, they would turn out quite different from each other, like mm -hmm. three wheels. Mm -hmm. In today's world, industry standard manufacturing, if they're making a ring or a circle, three of them are going to be pretty close to each other. And for me, the culmination of this psychological pointedness of making the perfect, reproducible, incorruptible thing mm -hmm. is in digital technology, both software and hardware. If you look at, you have two copies of kind of the same phone, the same manufacturer, the same model, presumably. And if you put them side by side and you remove all other identification, it would be pretty difficult to tell which one is which. So we have got our manufacturing industry to that point where it's like 
to the human observer, it's like indistinguishable, unless you like scratch one or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And so all of our circles are interchangeable now. All of our kind of iPhones are interchangeable. If even if you break your circle, even if you break your phone, its soul can be transferred to a completely new phone, mm-hmm. and it's like nothing changed. So it's like we are reaching this amazing ideal world of the perfectly preserved, perfectly you know thing, where the particular imperfect material instance of it does not even matter. Mm-hmm. If you if something happens and you break it and you just get a new one. You know, and which has all of the, so it doesn't even matter. So, to me, there's an interesting connection between this and our age-old idea of the Platonic ideal world. Utopia. Utopia, and I think we're fashioning it out of this world of mud and clay and dirt, where nothing is ever predictable, and we're 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 building our infrastructure so that like more and more we can build predictably, reproducibly, perfectly. And so this was about the hardware, but even more so the digital content. Like if you write something or you sing something and it is stored in some kind of a digital format of ones and zeros, we have reached an era in which it is, in which it is so much more incorruptible than any previous era. The ones and zeros are not sticks and stones lying in a fragile, uh, precarious existence. Some Someone walks over it and it's gone. It lives in this kind of weird ethereal space where if you throw this thing into the water, that thing still lives on in the cloud and you can make an incorruptible copy of it again. Uh, and it's just kind of amazing for me to think that one day, Back in the past, this used to be a magical dream. Mm-hmm. And now it is a kind of reality. Mm-hmm. Those ones and zeros in many ways are the perfectly incorruptible, the perfectly reproducible platonic ideal, but living somehow held in this universe out of these material things. Mm-hmm. Like we have twisted all of this fucking material, impermanent, imperfect things so as to be able to hold this perfect incorruptible and it's just amazing it's like the human mind has all these magical ideas and then it makes shit makes it in this universe out of the sticks and stones and rock and dirt because it appeared in the mind first and they're like we're gonna make it and it's just amazing that it is possible for us to dream up these magic things and then it is possible for this universe to manifest it yeah, I have a question for that, yeah. though. Where do you think the first image of utopia come from? Like, does it come from a place where there's this innate craving for stability and order and a place where we can predict things and a place where mistakes are not tolerated? Mm. Or, like, I feel like this has something to do with, you know, within ourselves, there's always... I don't know if this has something to do with the hardships of survival, you know, from a long time ago. And we've suffered so much as human beings, as a species, that we have to overcome all the unpredictabilities. Like, today there might be an earthquake, tomorrow there's a tornado, and, like, it's so hard to find always find food constantly. Yeah. And then that kind of drive us to try to 
construct something that's like much more reliable and mm. stable and like we could mm. reproduce that mm. so it's yeah it's my question like yeah. where does this come from in the first place i think earlier in my life i would have said something else i mean the answers are all hypothetical mm-hmm. but one time i was discussing with benam the same thing it's like living in this world that is so imperfect and incomplete and all of those things living in a world where there are no perfect circles where does the idea of this perfection come from exactly uh, i mean this mind this mind is just a bunch of these like neurons that are just kind of mostly statistically firing the right way and it just <laughs> creates this images of utopia the perfect triangle with the angles exactly 180 degrees and like does all of this perfectly parallel lines and straight lines and things like that where do these ideas come from i'm kind of interchangeably talking about like the perfect world mm-hmm. as like a utopia but also perfect ideas like perfect math okay. perfect objects okay. but i think they are all kind of related in this okay. conversation so earlier maybe i would have given you a different answer but now my answer <laughs> is going to be the non duality answer <laughs> which is we don't know where the stuff in our mind comes from I don't think we know. Great answer. Yeah, it's like yeah. I just completely wash my hands off the whole business. I don't have to <laughs> really take responsibility, but the answer is the same as the answer for where does any thought in our heads come from? Mm-hmm. And the answer is I don't know. I don't know. And uh with the scientific way of going about it would probably be to find some evolutionary explanation. um yeah <laughs> that's all i have to say but i don't know uh, sometimes i feel like we do like too much like we try to twist everything into like finding an evolutionary half baked evolutionary yeah. thing um but i'm just going to say i don't know and i think it's a profound mystery mm. any i think everything is a profound mystery but in that part yeah. i agree in a sense that i feel like we actually don't have any idea how we reach the conclusions in our mind yeah like they, there might be some process of thinking and like yeah. i don't know like neurons firing on the back of our head and stuff like that yeah but we don't know how it happened and all the science or psychology that was Mm. saying oh we know this theory and this might be how we were thinking and mm. this might result in the conclusion that we had yeah those are narratives that we say to ourselves yeah to justify our behaviors and yeah. justify our thoughts yeah but if you think about all those justifications and narratives only come after we reach the conclusion not before yeah. we have the conclusion then true. it's pretty clear that those true. are just lies that yeah. we keep telling ourselves true, true. that that was how we thought yeah we don't keep track of the sequence of uh, the narrative often gets pasted on at the end like yeah. the other day i was telling you how during my like previous relationship towards the end where it was like really bad mm-hmm. um I was in a lot of denial about the very blatantly obvious ways in which maybe you should save this for the other part of the conversation <laughs> but I think this is kind of relevant here okay which is that I was in a lot of denial about uh, the blatantly obvious ways in which things were going wrong 
And I was actually kind of taken aback later when I was starting to come out of it and my mind was starting to become a little bit more reasonable and a bit more of a reasonable perspective on what had happened. I was like, how the fuck could I have led myself into this hole where such blatantly obvious things Mm -hmm. where my mind was so confused about it and I was so much in denial. I thought that I was a very rational and intelligent person and I understand myself very well and I understand what's going on. And I think over time, what it made me is it made me kind of humble Mm -hmm. and it made me start questioning my intellectual part of my mind or the so-called rational part of my mind because I thought I derive everything else from reason. But it, it, it got pointed out so clearly because of this experience, it got pointed out so clearly that I was clearly driven by my emotional needs first. And But because I identified as being a, a rational person, there would have to ultimately be a rational justification for what I was doing. Some people are plenty happy to say, I'm going to do this because I feel like it and mm-hmm. like my emotions. But I'm not content with that. I have to have like a rational narrative for why I'm still in this relationship. Mm-hmm. So I would figure out a theory. And it wasn't so explicit. It was like the emotional part of my mind was commanding the rational part of my mind to say I want to stay in a relationship with this girl come up with a justification for it and so when I would even talk to my friends the justification like I felt like I was sophisticated and smart enough to create a sophisticated and smart narrative so I would talk to my friends and I would convince them why I wanted to be in this relationship and they would be convinced because uh, like I'm smart that way and I would convince them but then in hearing myself say those I would be convinced myself as well so the funny thing is that the ways in which I thought I was being so smart I was actually digging my own grave like it, my my rationality was too good for me you know it was I was too smart for my own good um, because I feel like if I hadn't been Perhaps I would have been able to see the weakness of my logic, but it was so sophisticated that I couldn't see through my own magic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what we're talking about, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I kind of realized, I became, I became aware that reason is not definitely the one sole king of my mind, mm-hmm. that it is often subservient to my emotions. And that by itself seems like It's just a negative thing to discover. It's like loss of control. Like, what do you do with that? And oftentimes, like, I don't know what to do with it, but I think it's still empowering to know. To know that I am subject to my emotions and to just be aware that... And it makes me... I think it puts in a healthy dose of doubt. Healthy dose of self-doubt. Anytime that I'm going by just a reason narrative... Healthy goes out there. I'm like, Neil, you'll cook up any theory to justify the conclusions that you've already decided beforehand. You know, so just like fucking calm down a little bit sometimes, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, hopefully, hopefully it has made me change my ways when it comes to relationships. And if it's especially in the early part of a relationship and I'm attracted to someone and my mind is already starting to create these castles in the air about how I want them to be and etc. And starting to cook, cook up these theories, uh, I maybe try to stay, how do you call it? 
data scientists, sometimes like scientists also say, stay close to the data. Mm. And it says stick close to the data, mm. meaning before you go in and try to create sophisticated theories of what's going on using many parameters, mm-hmm. just don't do that just yet. Just stay really close to the data, the raw data. And if you must, create simple descriptive models first. Mm. Keep collecting more data. Keep collecting more data. That's a really don't, good yeah. thing to think about even yeah. in doing actual data science and doing yeah. yeah. And, and And if the data seems to counter your theory of how you would like things to be, it is possible that this data is slightly corrupted or it's an outlier and your theory is really true, but remember that you have a bias. Mm-hmm. So if, you're, if, you, if the data seems to contradict the theory, like if, the, if, if your theory is that this girl is really into me and the data says otherwise, then for the moment, just hold off. Just, you know, the jury is out. Just hold off and like, you know what? I'm going to take the data sort of at face value now. And if nothing else, I don't have to go either way, data or theory, just collect a little bit more data before I'm sure, <laughs> you know. Whereas earlier I would have I would have covered that data point, like that poor little one data point, I would have covered it with a mountain of theory to somehow make it a, out as if like, oh yeah, this girl is like madly in love with me and all of these crazy things have come together such that this data point looks like, but it is only evidence of how much blah, blah, blah. So I'm trying to stick to the data even if it breaks my heart because the data never lies. Yeah. But there is also this possibility that even if you have plenty of data points and the data points are telling you otherwise, yeah. you decide to go towards the other direction. Yeah. And you're like, fuck the data points. I'm just doing whatever I want. I'm just feeling this at the moment. And even though I know the data points are telling me otherwise and I might get my heart broken later. Yeah. I'll feel really terrible later. But for this moment right now, this is what I want. I'm just going to do this. Yeah. It is quite amazing how... I thought I started a topic that had nothing to do with our intended podcast topics. I started this topic of the platonic ideals and about technology. And now we're seamlessly going into one of our intended podcast topics, which is why do people like get into or stay in relationships even when it is not nourishing or fulfilling? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess people eventually get to talk with they want to talk about. Huh? Like there's this kind of... yeah invisible string that just lead you to talk about what you (laughs) want to talk about true the mind is like does one little hop yeah and it's like this is this is what this is what jackie wants to get off her chest so we won't get there eventually even if we started with platonic solids (laughs) yeah so (laughs) to get right to the point of why that happens the answer is non-duality. <laughs> we don't know why we get into this. Everything is explainable using non-duality Everything. right now, basically. I think non-duality is the ultimate throwing up of the hands and saying nothing needs to be explained. It's just shit happening. But, yeah, for the purpose of a discussion, it's like, <laughs> yeah... Yeah, like non-duality is like, we don't really need to discuss anything. Like everything just is... Just accept as it is. Yeah, shit just, just accept. Shit just happen. happens, you know? Yeah. And if you don't accept things, that's also just happening, you know? But 
so so like I think that's kind of like the ultimate view uh, that I do not know, but there can be relative views of things. So if that is the question of why do we stay, why do we stay in relationships that are not fulfilling? It must it must be because certain other needs are being met, which mm-hmm. are not ultimately truly wholesome, maybe, mm-hmm. but in some limited or finite way, it is giving you something. And we do have limited finite needs. Sometimes they can be a physical need, like our bodies have needs. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be like maybe I want to have sex. That's a very crude. But sometimes it's like I, my body needs to be near the body of another human being. Mm-hmm. I need touch. I need tenderness. I need this or that. Um, and some relationships can provide that. Um, sometimes I think it's emotional validation. Mm-hmm. Like some person comes and says, you're cool. Or validates you in a certain way. And you feel this little burst of pleasure. Mm-hmm. And we have... We have needs like that. So in a real relationship, I feel that you're in, even if there are toxic things that, that are happening, it's always kind of complicatedly mixed up with other things that are mm-hmm. like feel pleasurable or good. Or maybe part of that relationship is really has long-term wholesomeness in it, but it's mixed up with other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not... It's not so, it's like always this kind of trade-off. Like, okay, some things are not quite good in this relationship, but the mind does this quick mental calculation. If I let this go, I will be lonely. Mm -hmm. Or something else. Or I will have pain. And it kind of decides, alright, I'll stay. The one thing that I was having a question about is, well, a lot of the needs you were talking about has something to do with this urge of we don't want to be lonely, we don't want to be left alone, or we don't want to be emotionally independent 100%. And there's always the, you know, like sayings, oh, you should be more self-sufficient, you shouldn't be so afraid of being alone, things like that. Mm. But from my personal experience, and I might haven't tried that so hard, is no matter how much my rational mind tell me, oh, like, don't be afraid of being lonely. Don't be afraid of being alone. And just do your own thing. Just be self-sufficient. The emotional side of things keeps dragging me back. Yeah. It's like, it's like there's this tug of war where, like, yeah. my rational mind is like, Jackie, you're cool. You can do this. You yeah. don't have to be surrounded by the other person to feel needed, to feel fulfilled. And you can completely create your own happiness and your own pleasure well i i don't want to use the word happiness here because it's kind of like um ambiguous in a lot of contexts but then there's this like emotional side that's like oh wouldn't be nice if there is somebody by your side right now Mm -hmm. wouldn't be nice if you have somebody to be emotionally dependent on right now yeah you know it's like yeah and i guess a lot of the times we know what is right and what is wrong but that doesn't mean we're winning that tug of war by our rational minds. Sure, sure. And I think, okay, I think our emotional sides are not entirely wrong in the sense that there do exist relationships 
where so there must be some reason why your rational mind is saying no jackie you can do this yourself why is the rational mind saying that presumably because it has you've got into relationships with with that need and been hurt somehow that's why you want to become more self sufficient or or well i guess that could be true for a lot of people but for yeah. myself this little theory that i came up with with mm. my little mind is i'm just i'm very aware of the changing moments in life nothing is going to be lasting forever and nothing is stable that includes relationships and we're kind of like seeking this stable sense of feeling in the midst of ever changing moments which is kind of impossible in the yeah. first place yeah and we then form this attachment to something that's not stable and predictable and wouldn't last forever in yeah. the in the first place. Yeah. And that's why there is always this need in the back of my mind saying, oh like none of the relationship lasts forever and you know mm-hmm. like you're craving for something that's not mm-hmm. possible in the first place and that's why you should be trying to be like more self-sufficient and things yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 So I do I do have a couple of views on that. Mm-hmm. Uh but first I want to acknowledge that this the emotional part that that is trying to find this fulfillment in a human being or a relationship is not entirely wrong okay. like it's one of the greatest joys in the world to be able to find such a relationship right so it's like wow yeah this is what life is about like it doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic relationship as i have said a couple of times a lot of my fulfillment has come from my platonic relationships and mm-hmm. i felt deep connection and in the platonic relationship because this is my personal opinion that because there is not so much neediness or the need for validation and this transactional thing and like oh my emotional roller coaster is attached to your behavior since these things do not exist so much it is easier to for me it has that that connection has been easier sometimes in platonic relationships mm-hmm. and in its best form it feels like wow yeah this is partly what life is about is being able to connect with this person and what this person is providing me i surely some of this i could not have provided for myself because mm-hmm. this person has grown up in a different world has had different thoughts and now they're sharing it with me and we're sharing it with each other it's like it's like we're sharing a piece of our worlds that have been private and personal so far and we're sharing it with each other. Yeah. There is no substitute for that. And it is beautiful and it's it's amazing. Uh so it makes sense that we we see some of these little experiences and we hold on to them and subconsciously we're like we crave that. Like mm-hmm. who who will be able to give that to me? So it kind of makes sense that such a thing happens. Like it happens like children don't have such a sophisticated developed rational mind so if they find a person who's like giving it they'll be very open about it. like they'll keep trying to go back to or they'll go back to go to friends and they will not tell themselves oh relationships are finite i shouldn't be you know mm-hmm. so in a way our emotional sides are kind of like our child side mm-hmm. very 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 pure it's like oh i saw this and it made me happy and i want it again so i think i think it's important to recognize that that it's not evil and there is something that it has seen and it wants again and to some extent what it is looking for it does exist um 
but the but the darkness arrives when like there is the there is the demand and there is no supply <laughs> you know and and you like try to do it and there's like this neediness and like this person doesn't give you and it's just this suffering and this and then the rational mind comes in and like oh my god do you see what's going on here like you need to like yeah i told like, you yeah i told you etc so everything is kind of contextual like neither of the both of those things are true in their own right in their own sphere so i feel like a really beautiful life is when you listen to the rational mind when it is the right time to listen to it and you listen to the emotional mind when it is the right time to listen to it um and 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 the trust is like all of the different parts of the mind if they're kind of working together mm-hmm. and you identify right now it seems like it's best to listen to reason and right now it seems like i should stop listening to reason so much and just just indulge in my emotional self um i don't i don't think any of these parts of your mind are your enemy mm-hmm. it's just that sometimes you're listening to the channel that maybe you should not be listening to um when i kind of started on this like spiritual path and over time i started distrusting my rational side like i was describing earlier with my relationship at some point i did start making a little bit of an enemy even mm-hmm. i went too far and i started making an enemy out of my rational side which is kind of the opposite of what you're talking about but uh, and some and actually some spiritual leaders will speak in this way like Eckhart Tolle talks about frequently about this the, about the rational mind in this way it's like oh thinking thinking sucks your brain sucks you know like the human mind is like so much beyond thinking blah blah whatever he kind of makes an enemy out of thinking and out of reason and i did go deep enough in that direction um that i started judging my rational side a lot but in multiple different instances i've come back to noticing that the rational side is the only part of my mind that is helpful in certain situations um and at those times it's important to notice what it is saying um and then try and inculcate it into the deeper parts of myself and what helps a lot in life is if the different parts of the mind come into alignment and are not fighting so much like if the rational mind in some situation discovers a truth and over time you see that that truth is real then it makes sense to try and synchronize it with your emotional so that after some time they start working together mm-hmm. that that truth seeps in deeper and emotionally you're compelled like the rational mind one day says hey it seems like doing good to others is a good idea but maybe you still wake up in the morning feeling bitchy about other people emotionally so then there's a disconnect but like over time if you keep practicing it like the rational mind says let's just practice it let's keep practicing as you keep practicing it and get the rewards of it after some time your emotional side aligns with that as well and then the fight kind of stops and both of those were helpful um i'm getting really carried away <laughs> getting really tired. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so 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 I wanted to justify why the emotional side is kind of uh should not be judged so much. Mm-hmm. Um but also yes, it is definitely true that if you depend on individuals or relationships for your fulfillment or stability, 
uh, it's going to be transient and it's going to go away. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be kind of lost. Um, so I guess I will only say, without going into too much detail maybe, I will only say that through my practices of meditation and some other spiritual practices, I have experienced... I have experienced that the things that you look for in a relationship, maybe not like sexual pleasure or the bodily things like that, but like deeper connection and fulfillment and the lack of loneliness, you know, like I am connected. I am now connected. I'm whole. I'm connected. I am not alone. Those feelings are accessible even if there is no other human. And it is, it's difficult to talk about this to someone who has not experienced it. But I have definitely clearly experienced in multiple occasions the feeling of connectedness and love and bliss coursing through my body and there is no other human being around. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, I feel like I have started to see through the myth of love being locked inside human beings and that you have to go to them and do certain dances and connect in a certain way and then they open their tap and the tap you can drink love from them because it's they're like a little container and then you open your tap and the other person drinks from you i think that's it's very solid persisting illusion and i feel like in those moments i've been able to see through that illusion and i see love as this field like an electric field and we are submerged in it mm-hmm. um, well, if you're submerged in it why don't we feel connection all the time i can't tell you but but there is a part of the reason is this notion is the very notion paradoxically that we have to seek it out and the seeking distracts you from 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 kind of being in the moment and just like, oh, maybe this is it. Mm -hmm. This is love. I am life. I'm not disconnected, you know? Uh, And and there have been some moments like that. And gradually over time, I'm becoming more and more convinced that it's not like I don't want to be with people, Mm -hmm. but I'm becoming more and more convinced that it's a complete myth that these things that people look for in relationships are locked inside other human beings. I think it's everywhere. So, and sometimes it's kind of interesting, the ways that you find this out. How did you find this out? Okay, so when you have, I did not, it wasn't like one instance, but I can describe one instance to you. Sure. So there's a friend of mine. I'm wondering if I should mention her name. Okay, well, so there's this friend of mine. (laughs) There's a friend of mine, and I was quite attracted to her. And... That's, and I think I like kind of expressed my attraction towards her. Okay. It's not you, someone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But she said, she said, but the, the first little chip that she broke off my heart was by saying, uh, I'm already in a relationship with someone. Okay. And after some time I was like, you know, Neil, like it makes complete sense for her to already be, you don't have to take this personally, like. Well, what, what was she supposed to do? Not be in any relationships and wander the deserts of humanity before she met you? Like, what the fuck are you thinking? You know, it's completely fine. Come into acceptance with the fact that she's in a relationship. We can be platonic friends. This is great. She's cool. Yeah. And then another time I was having coffee with her on campus. 
and I just like brought up, I was like, hey, you know, like we've been hanging out. Uh, is it cool with your the person that we are hanging out? And she said, yeah, but maybe not so much. I don't think we should be hanging out so much. Okay. And then that hurt again. It's like, ah, oh, fuck, <laughs> inside. I didn't say anything. Like, I barely blinked. I was like, hmm, okay. But inside it was like, oh, fuck. It was like an arrow <laughs> to my heart. <laughs> I was like, why this now? And I was walking home from there. I was like, yeah, I can understand. I already came into acceptance that she's in a relationship. So I don't think I want anything more than a platonic friendship. But why this new clause? What kind of clause is this that she cannot hang out too much with me? What does this mean? Does it mean that if she hangs out too much with me that we will start to form a deeper connection than her connection with this person. And that's why this is a preventative measure. That's so small-minded. If it does happen, then maybe we should get into a relationship and she should ditch this person. What kind of strategic thing is this to protect this relationship? Blah, 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 blah. My mind is just like going on like this. And then I was about to cross the street. And in a moment, there was like this slight shift. I was like, Neil, what are you doing? Okay, this line of thinking is not helping you're feeling this rejection this feeling of rejection uh what can i do i was like okay what is the spiritual way (laughs) (laughs) i kind of know where this is going to but yeah i kind of know it well okay so i was like what is the spiritual way i was like the spiritual way is like the complete counterintuitive thing the spiritual way is right now for me to wish the best for her and forget about myself like okay my friend i wish you the best and i wish you all of the love that i have so i kind of somehow like tried to deliberately flip my mindset from why aren't you giving me love to like let me give you mine you know and just as i was about to cross the road and this kind of flipping happened in my head in that moment it felt as if that conflict resolved. Mm-hmm. The knot in my chest just untied mm-hmm. and the whole problem disappeared. And because I feel like in that moment, I was able to successfully master enough love to give towards her. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, it felt like this thing, this love that I was looking for in her was suddenly around me, like mm-hmm. all around me. It was here. It was all around me. It was within me and it was filling me up. And that was quite revealing. And my conclusion was that it wasn't locked away in her. And it's up to her to dispense it through this tap. It was within me. It was self-generated. It was self... I don't know who generated it, but it was available. And paradoxically, me looking for it or trying to search for it in another person was what was making it unavailable. Hmm. It's kind of like, I've heard of a story, a person yeah. like yeah. carrying a bottle of water <laughs> on his yeah. back, yeah, but not knowing it was actually water in that bottle. Yeah. And he was walking in the desert, yeah. desperately trying to find water, yeah. and eventually died yeah. without realizing it was actually water, yeah. like right 
by his back. And yeah. He yeah, was yeah. carrying this around all this time. Yeah, I've heard a similar story of a poor person asking for food or whatever, yeah. sitting on this box. And one day, like, a wise person comes or something, and the, this beggar is like, can you please give me something? And the wise person is, what is it that you're sitting on? He said, I don't know, it's just like a fucking old box. He said, well, have you ever looked into it? And the guy says, well, just forget about the box. Do you have something for me? And the wise person said, that's all I have. And went, goes away. And then, the, like, the, the poor beggar opens the box someday and sees it filled with all of these precious gems. And it's never bothered to open this box. And so that's a cool story, but what it still misses, in my opinion, is that the, the, the thing that it stands for is that all the things that you're looking for are within you. So it, it's as if it encourages, like, the things that you're looking for from the other people, stop doing that and start looking for those within yourself. I think that's also the myth of a lot of the self-love explanation that's yeah. popular among young people right now, yeah. that, you know, whatever love that you're trying to look for you already have it yeah and it's within you and you just have to work harder and become a better self yeah to be able to dig that out yeah 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 Yeah. so i feel like the thing that it still misses is that there is still this attitude of looking for it but within yourself Mm -hmm. and it's still selfish because you're looking for it for yourself yeah but the difference in the story that i told you was that i wasn't even looking for it for myself Mm -hmm. It was completely different. I was like, no, this is not about me anymore. This is about her. And I wish to give this to her. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't even like looking for myself anymore. Mm -hmm. I became the source of what I was looking for, not for myself, but for others. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, this complete submission that I'm not going to look for this for myself anymore. That's when paradoxically the whole thing became available. And there have been instances like that a couple of times in my life, which makes me very convinced that it is always here. Mm-hmm. It's always here. And connection is always here. Well, what do I mean by connect? Like, I am part of life. Like, I'm living, breathing. You know, there's, there's a body, there's a butterfly settles on my foot, and I can tell how much more connected. Even in sadness, there's like, wow, I can't... Isolation from life means that what is outside is completely disconnected from what is inside. But look at yourself. You cannot help but feel sad on some days because of something that happened. Life is forcing itself through you, whether it be joy or it be sadness. And even this sadness is just solid, solid evidence that you are not disconnected. If you were in this little capsule... Like bulletproof. Yeah, where you could exactly set the temperature... And exactly said the humidity and exactly said the emotion and it would be completely immune to the outside world, then you wouldn't have to suffer any of these things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, connection is not always happiness, but this is connection. Mm -hmm. You know, someone says something or maybe something happens or sometimes you don't even know, but this emotion arises and you don't know where it came from, but you're feeling it. And that's connection. That's like, that's being alive. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'm going to feel it. That's total connection. That is unexplainable connection. And you're completely at the mercy of it. How much more connection <laughs> is, is, is possible? So I've started to rethink what connection is. It's not necessarily connection with a person, but I'm connected through life. In fact, I feel like I am life. This is life. All in one. Yeah. One so, 
Yeah, yeah. So like, so this is life. So how I don't have to get married to feel connected, like connected to everything around me. And you could decide like, ah, oh, okay. Among all of this big universe, there's this one person, and with connection to that person is all connection, nothing else is connection. But I don't know. I feel like as more and more time passes, I'm becoming disillusioned with that narrow view of connection. Yeah. What would you say to people who are either looking to find love within themselves or through other people mm. through this kind of like digging behavior but are still kind of lost out there because they don't know whether the things they found are actually love or not because i think that's a lot of people's beef yeah like they were not sure whether the things they felt at the moment is actually true love or not yeah i don't know what is true love what is true love true love or i guess like in yeah. your previous experiences you've mentioned what made you think it was love that that was the thing that you were experiencing when you were crossing the street and had this flip of mind and yeah well the thing is when it arises there is no question mm -hmm. that's one of the indications i think um i don't think there is such a thing really as this dichotomy between true love and false love mm -hmm. I think just as we were talking about the platonic ideal and the real world, yeah. um, everything else is like a little distorted image of true love. Mm -hmm. So even in a real life relationship, I think there are facets of what you might call true love mixed in with other things. Yeah, this is, yeah, maybe this is not like the truest description of it because in some accounts, like for example, by this account of non-duality, there is no distinction between true love and everything else. Like, they'll say, okay, if it's a serial killer, mm -hmm. that is absolute unconditional love appearing as a serial killer. But, so there is no big divide between the moral good and the moral bad. Mm -hmm. Like, everything is seen as the manifestation of the same thing. Um, but, like, I'm not going to go into that right now. Then I guess I can rephrase my question a little bit. Is there this form or this subcategory of love that could actually make you forget about yourself yeah and kind of get immersed into this world that you're living in and kind of just forget yourself for a second yeah. and yeah absorb whatever that's going around you and yeah think about all this world that you're living in yeah yeah there there definitely is so So you asked, what would I say to a person like that? To a person who's kind of in yeah. doubts of whether such a thing exists. Oh, it definitely exists. Yeah. But may not be in the form that you imagine. For example, like I was saying, it may not be in the form of a relationship with a human being. Mm -hmm. Although there could be facets of a relationship with a human being that is like that. Um, but it definitely exists. And it is bigger than you think. There doesn't even have to be a human being in the picture for you to feel it. Um, it can be connection with nature. It can be connection with art. I have started to feel it in multiple different ways. Sometimes when I'm like just taking a walk and I look at a... Like, it doesn't even have to be nature, but often it is. Like, I just like look at a flower or something. And like, wow, this is... 
really beautiful and I'm here right now experiencing this and and it's yeah and the fact that all of this is real and this universe exists and there's a flower and I'm kind of in the lap of this universe now alive looking at this in the sunlight it is incredible it is incredible. It is incredible that all of this is happening and that I can touch it and I can smell it and I'm connected to it somehow because like of the evolution. Oh, you can talk about so many different things. How is this not beautiful? And like so many days we just like ignore all of this and trying to find like a person who will say the right thing and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so... I had something more pointed to say. Like if you're, if, I feel like if you're feeling this way, the first point of access is, the first point of access is to acknowledge that there is some suffering happening. That you're feeling lost. You're feeling incomplete. You're feeling lonely. So the first point, the first step I would say, and I've told you this before, is sit down and open up to how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Like actually sit down, open validate up to how... Validate your feelings. Yeah, huh? Like I was just saying, validate yeah. your feelings. Validate, validate is a word, yes. Validate, yes. Yeah, to acknowledge that all of your feelings are real. That they're real. And they have every right to exist. Mm -hmm. And open yourself up to the feelings. Um... Just like a grown-up asks a child if they're crying, like, how are you feeling? What is going on? Where does it hurt? You know, so you can do those same things to yourself. Not run away from it and, like, just sit and listen to your body. Like, how am I feeling? Am I feeling rejection or loneliness? Okay, that's a complicated word. What does it mean to feel loneliness? It must be a mixture of different feelings in the body. So where is loneliness? Okay, maybe part of it is in the chest. Maybe there's a slight pain in the chest. Okay, let's explore that. How is it? Is it moving around? Okay, maybe the rest of it is in the uh, heaviness in the body. So you basically sit down and open yourself up to this feeling. You crack it open and you feel it. And you feel it. And you don't... And I try to stay away from judgment. Like, I shouldn't be feeling this. Or it happened. If only it had been this way, blah, blah, blah. So you just basically start bringing a very compassionate... Neutral, yeah, neutral, but sometimes compassionate. Compassionate. Well, it's like, whatever. Sometimes there's a conflict between, like, should it be neutral or should it be, yeah, whatever. But at least not judgmental. Like, bringing, uh, bringing this presence to your own experience and being there. I'm like, all right, I'm going to experience this. How am I feeling? And instead of judging yourself, oh, you shouldn't have done this. You should do this. Mm -hmm. Just the focus should be on how am I feeling? And I want to be here for it. So that is the first step, I think. And if you keep doing this every once in a while, being there for your own emotions and like uh, letting it kind of spend itself and not get lost in the commentary constantly. Oh, Jack, you should have done this. Your rational mind comes in, blah, 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 all of this stuff. Don't get lost. Just like stay there for your emotions then over time, I think it kind of opens the path for a connection to yourself. And I think that is vital. Like, 
I feel so much more secure in my life now because I feel like I'm more strongly connected to myself. I'm more tolerant and accepting of myself. I'm more compassionate towards myself. I'm more understanding of myself. And when I go wrong, I, yeah, I'm much more I'm like, yeah, that happens. It's all right. So a lot of my needs that were needs to be for accepted other, yeah, like other there were demands for other people mm-hmm. have kind of disappeared now. So the fear and the anxiety of being alone is kind of reduced Dissolved. a lot. Mm-hmm. Reduced a lot. And since it has reduced a lot, I feel like my role in life as a person has become even a little bit more of someone who is less concerned about getting and a little bit more concerned about, okay, what do you need? Yeah, maybe I can, maybe, maybe I can find something to give you, you know. And once you get into that dynamic, a lot of your problems start to disappear, you know. Like a lot of people involve themselves in charity work. Because over time, it has this influence where your problems start to disappear. Yeah. And you look at other people's problems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, or you're helping them. Your entire mental focus starts to change. Mm-hmm. So, that is the paradox. Like, if you keep trying to find the answer to the problem, in some cases, the problem just keeps reinforcing itself. Because it's an acknowledgement that this is a problem. The more desperately you look for an answer the more it is a stamp. This is a problem. This is a problem. I'm incomplete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, the other thing which is not quite intuitive is that maybe if you're looking for a romantic connection. So, you feel like the thing that you're looking for can only be fulfilled by a romantic connection. But that is not so. If you are incapable of finding that kind of connection at that time, you can start and think, okay, are there any people in my life to whom I can give some connection right now, even if it's not romantic? You know, maybe like I can call up an old friend, how are they doing, or something like that. Something that it is within my capability of providing connection right now. Providing. Providing is not such a problem because you're in charge. Yeah. You know, you're not dependent on another person whether or not they have it. You have it. So you ask yourself, who do I have something for right now? And let's initiate that connection. Try that out. Try that out and see how you feel about your problem or lack of connection after that conversation. It's kind of paradoxical, but you're like, after that, it's like, oh yeah, I have a little bit of it. And I think it's because connection or love is not one of those zero-sum things where it goes from one unit to another. Mm-hmm. I think it's a kind of connection to this electric field where <laughs> sometimes, yes, someone else gives you and you feel a little zap of the electric field around you, but even if you give it to someone, the electric field zaps feel you. Good. And you're like, woo, I got it, woo, 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 I got, got that. And I didn't have to get it from someone, I gave it, and it has the same effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like training or like learning how to give it is such so much more of a solid ground because you can do it anytime. You don't have to wait for them to have it in their little container inside. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, yeah. And this, this path is also difficult because you don't always feel like loving people. You could be pissed or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So all of that is an internal 
internal overcoming, internal struggle. It doesn't have to do with what other people are doing. It has to do with yourself. Yeah. So. And something, something I want to say. Can I drink this is, water? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, theoretically, it's always easier when you think about in concept how you're going to do it or how things are going to be carried out and how things are going to be implemented. It's always easier. Yeah. Then after you experience something, then you decide to try it again. Yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, well, this is also saying to myself that if you have this thing, theoretically, you want to be giving love to people and you want to be forgiving to yourself and you want to stop this like mental fight with yourself yeah. or whatever. But you are finding it to be more difficult than you imagine it was going to be. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's, it's, yeah, always, okay. it's yeah. always like that. And yeah. it's, and speaking from my own experience is before, well, for me, I feel like almost everything, there's always multiple layers of understanding. Yeah. Like when I first read about something or when I first heard about something from someone that, for example, oh, love is a great thing and we should be giving love. Then mm. I have this like first layer of, of understanding. Oh, yeah. love is a great thing. I read it from a book. Yeah. And this book is telling me, oh, love is a great thing. And yeah. now I believe that too. Yeah. But this first layer, layer of understanding is often pretty pale mm. and it's like easily breakable yeah and it's like you know you feel like you already know what you're learning but yeah. you actually haven't or yeah. you've like only mastered the very superficial layer of yeah, things. yeah it comes back to the different layers of the mind that i was talking about mm -hmm. first your conceptual or rational mind hears it and mm -hmm. it's just this dry knowledge yeah it's just this word this sentence in your head exactly. love other people full stop that's what it is yeah it's not deeper it's mm -hmm. like it hasn't touched your heart yet so like it takes time for this superficial layer thing to sink deeper and deeper and deeper yeah until it becomes your habit yeah until it becomes what your emotions say as well and i well just in my case i yeah. think it's not just time it's mm. also being open to experiences yeah. and having experienced all of the, not all, but like some of the difficult things or sad things along with the happy things or good things. And it's after you experience those things, you become less judgmental of yourself mm -hmm. and you become less judgmental, judgmental of other people in this mm -hmm. world because from the first layer of understanding, there's a lot of nuances hidden behind that statement that you didn't know at that time or you haven't experienced. You don't know the intensity of that experience. Yeah, yeah. And words oftentimes cannot convey the intensity of yeah. or like the thickness of whatever you're going to go through. Yeah. So after you experience it yourself, you actually realize, oh, I shouldn't be judging myself so hard because mm -hmm. this is actually, there's like so much more to yeah. this sentence that I learned from a book or the sentence I learned from a person. Yeah. It's yeah. very rich. It's very rich. Like you can summarize it using one sentence, but that's not going to be your truth if you have not gone through all those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of the times, like you do the thing that is not recommended and you get 
feedback from the universe and then you're like, oh shit, I understand why now, <laughs> you know, like someone is teaching you how to ride a bicycle, you read a manual and it says, <laughs> manual of how to ride a bicycle and it says, if you want to go right, lean right and turn your, turn your, you know, handlebars to the right, you know, like, hmm, it makes sense to turn the handlebars to the right, but why should I lean right? That doesn't make sense. But maybe you take it for granted. But then one day, like, you forget. Because you've just read the manual. And so you're just trying to do it based on your reading of the manual. So your body doesn't know. Your body is not geared. So you turn the handlebar to the right, but you lean left. And you fall. And it hurts. And you're like, oh, shit. And maybe your rational mind says, oh, okay, I shouldn't do it. But it has also percolated deeper than your rational mind. Because your knees are hurting. Yeah. And then next time your body will be slightly more averse. It has some memory. Let's not do that. You know, so I think that's like a deeper learning. And that, that only happens through your own experiences. And there's no need to hurry through it. Like you were saying, like, I should, like, it's fine if you're going through all of these things and turmoils and stuff like that, that, that is learning. All of those things are learning. If you could just ask people and know everything about life and never have to face any of those it was so fucking dry you know like what would it be about it's like a blind person just being told about the frequencies of light and everything like they need to see shit uh yeah all blind people need to see shit <laughs> you can quote me out of context but and what was the other thing that i was talking about yeah yeah like yeah one of those things that happened to me when i became kind of obsessed with this like spiritual path mm-hmm. was that this tendency started happening where I would judge myself for not already having solved a Mm. spiritual problem or like if it was something that was taking time or maybe I was having difficulties with people, there would be this voice that comes in like, Oh wow, you're not as great as you thought. You know, you've been doing all this meditation and yet you're having all this trouble with people. Like I had trouble with some, people in my previous co-op. Maybe not explicitly, maybe they didn't even know about it, but there was something about their behavior that was really upsetting me. Mm-hmm. And I would spend a lot of time in like angry dialogue in my head, in my just in just my room, and also judging myself for it. Like, what is this? What is your spirituality? For the last several hours, you've just been lost in this angry dialogue with a person based on two bits of data mm-hmm. from three days ago that they have probably forgotten. Why aren't you there yet? Why aren't you calm and accepting and loving yet? You know, it took me a while before I started realizing that there was this voice that was expecting me to be there already. Mm-hmm. Just because I know that that's the right thing to do. I yeah. had the exact same. I'm, I feel like I'm still having the exact same feeling right now. Yeah. Presumably because yeah. I'm 23 and still there's a lot of things I haven't experienced. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I don't know if I will be ever already there yet yeah you know there's always there's always gonna be more and maybe i should be glad but the other thing that i wanted to say is that if it is difficult if i find it difficult to connect with a person maybe because in the aftermath of something that was hurtful like i said i have experienced that connection does not have to come from a human being and a taste of that can be gotten from other stuff that is easier for you to... Anything that you find yourself very engaging in. For me, sometimes it's art. Mm-hmm. You know? 
anything that you can put a lot of yourself into. Like you're awake and you're just sitting watching TV. That's pretty passive. But like making a drawing or doing something and telling yourself, I'm going to do a good job. I want to make something beautiful. And I don't know how other people do it, but I'm going to try and do this the best to my ability. Even if I like just draw a likeness of something that is in front of me, I'm going to try and put a lot of care in this. Um, so yeah, so for me, art is something like that. And when I do that and I finish it, even though I don't have to finish it, as I'm drawing it, it feels like I'm connected. I'm connected and I'm putting my effort into something and it responds back. It responds back immediately. Sometimes like if you give a lot of effort into a human being, they don't give it back. But there are other avenues in life where what you give is immediately given back. Mm -hmm. Like if you do a little bit of gardening, plants don't like hold grudges against you. Like if you take <laughs> care of them, they'll bloom. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I feel like yeah. I'm a professional plant murderer oh, okay. from my past yeah. records. But yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to be. I mean, you know what it is for you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But coming back to that point, I feel like even just the need of, or this thought of the need of, if I give something, then I want something back as well. Yeah. Do you think that's a natural thing in human nature, or do you think that's yeah, totally. something that, you know, we could avoid and it doesn't have to be okay? I think it's very difficult to evolve that. It is very difficult to evolve it. Yeah, I think that's very natural. So it would be very hard to ask for something. I mean, give something without asking for a return or something. In some cases, it is possible. And I'm pretty sure in some cases, you already do it. Yeah. There are, I mean, I'm sure there are certain relationships in which at least in some contexts, you're given without expecting something in return. Um, but to do that in all contexts, in all relationships, all the time is a pretty tall order. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty difficult. Yeah, it's very challenging. But you don't have to be there yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess even for that, there are there could be multiple reasons behind yeah. that. Could be maybe like morally it's the better better thing to do or it could be because of doing that you feel more relieved to yourself that now that you're not having any expectations for yeah. receiving anything from other people and you're just like I'm just gonna do my own thing I'm just yeah. gonna give to other people whatever yeah. I want to give them or whatever they need and yeah. because I don't have expectations for the return I don't yeah. have any burden on me right now yeah that is all true yeah. but it's still difficult to get into that perspective yeah it's all true yeah just like saying oh don't eat fast food but people still do it because <laughs> 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 we're like hardwired like everyone like look around me like everyone has this deep selfish instinct mm -hmm. even children have it children have it i read this honey uh, another humans of new york post mm -hmm. which i will not be able to reproduce exactly I'm only kind of paraphrasing a little bit, but it was this older woman who was talking about her point of view when she used to be younger, 
and she said when i was young me and my friends were very idealistic and we used to think oh fuck this people this particular this these people are so materialistic why are they so materialistic etc there's something like wrong with them this this capitalistic etc so they had identified their previous generation in that socio economic context and said okay so there's some problem with these people it's materialism and we want to grow up to dismantle that or rebel against that but she was saying that you know like at some point at some point i guess she started working for maybe an old age home or something like that where those same people that she had started she had grown up judging so much were admitted there and she would she came into real close contact with them and heard their life stories and things like that and she started realizing it's it's not like that and when you get into it it's not like that it's not like that all of them are in this group and in this group they have this thing that's wrong with them that's like materialism or whatever she was saying that it's it's not like it was this particular group that had this thing wrong she she was saying like even even if you take a human child that has not been conditioned in any way they're selfish have you seen a child they show selfishness they'll like grab the thing from the other child like my sister's kids when they were like 1 year old they're twins they would fight over stuff like they were crawling on the bed maybe it's even younger than 1 year old but they have these pacifiers that they suck on right so they had to they have to have two of everything of course cuz they're twins but i saw with my own eyes one of them had the pacifier in his own mouth and then it pulled it out from the other one's mouth and tried to fit it again but it was already sucking on one but it so it couldn't get it into it couldn't get the second pacifier into its mouth because it was already sucking on i was like what the fuck dude like you already have one and then you you pulling it out of the other person you just don't give a shit so this instinct of selfishness is very deep within us it comes before any conditioning who put it there like you could say biology or whatever but regardless of the answer it's there yeah it is there so i feel like we could relax a little bit about like judging ourselves for it we are born into this world with that we're born into it so so i think part of this whole like oh love other people give you are also included in that like you shouldn't forget like part of that is like oh jackie yeah yeah you were also born into the world with the selfishness so it's fine if you recognize that that's happening don't fucking beat yourself up about it what would you say to yourself to your 23 year old self from right now like if you can't say something to your 23 year old self what would you say to him i would say do drugs every day man <laughs> <laughs> i don't know 23 year old self i don't know what i would say well what is the purpose of going back and saying is to fast forward their development and growth right not necessarily it could be like just imagine your 23 year old self is sitting across to you right now and you're just like okay man let's have some conversation how's your day and you're just like chatting like friends and what would you say to him because you already know all, all of his thoughts and what, yeah. like, what he was thinking and things like that yeah i know i know i mean there are things that i could say but the the ultimate purpose is 
to bring the wisdom of a later Neil to a former Neil. Mm -hmm. And the idea is to somehow fast forward that growth. But is there any necessity for, for fasting forward the growth? Exactly. I don't think there is. And exactly. I, don't, I don't think that needs to happen. I think the, the richest the richest thing comes from living it in real time. <laughs> you know? Living it in real time. If it did happen, like if there was a time capsule and this like new lived through all of this stuff, had this like rich story and an understanding of why everything is the way it is, but went back in time and told this new, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is what you can chill out about, you know? Everything's going to be fine, blah, blah. And imagine the story of that new. Maybe that's a parallel universe. There's this time paradox also. Parallel universe. In the parallel universe, new grows to age 23, visited by future self from parallel universe who just tells these things so you don't have to go through this hurt yourself i think there would be something missing or like 23 i don't know about you but 23 yeah. year old i mean if i go back to like 17 year old 17 year old yeah. would probably just be like fuck you who are you to you know yeah giving all these lectures to me and yeah i don't believe in you and all this kind of shit you're saying right now so. yeah i think the main thing that i would tell my 23-year-old self is, hey, dude, you can chill out a little bit. It's going to be okay. <laughs> As I was like, I was pretty, I was pretty anxious about, so, yeah, pretty anxious about, like, how do I, like, what do I make in life? What do I, where, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. You know, all this stuff. So, like, it's it's going to be fine. You don't have to be worried about being lost in the abyss. You got this. Mm -hmm. You got this. And even though some transient things might go wrong which it did that doesn't mean that you're going to fall off the end of the earth never to recover your life is bigger than that and you've got it in you so these are fluctuations mm -hmm. on something that the baseline is going to keep growing you know so don't worry about this stuff also here's how you meditate <laughs> that's that's probably one of those things that it's getting kind of windy outside yeah it's yeah, nice so, but, yeah, that would be my answer to a related question of if I was mentoring a younger person who was like me, I would probably teach them to meditate from a very young age. Mm -hmm. If I ever bring up a child from a very young per age, I would teach them to meditate. Mm -hmm. It's the ultimate, ultimate... It's the for me. It's the ultimate way of teaching a man how to fish. Mm, you know, like, I, I don't need to keep feeding you. You'll be you'll be able to tap in to to all the shit that I'm talking about. You don't have to take any of my word for it. Just sit down and do this. Observe your breath. <laughs> so you'll fig you'll figure it out. Yeah. So yeah. is if there is like a like a capsule that just encapsulates all this sophisticated feelings and emotions and experience that yeah. you're gonna experience in the time span of this human being. Yeah. And if you take this capsule, yeah. then all of a sudden you're gonna become this person that has experienced all the extreme kind of emotions and yeah. feelings and experiences that you could possibly have in your human life. Are you gonna take that capsule? 
like is it going to happen instantaneously or when i take the capsule am i going to have the experience of 70 years of life let's in just, a moment let's because just, then it's indistinguishable let's just say you're not going to experience the 17 years of life like in a moment but just after taking this capsule all of those things become self explanatory to you and you're just yeah i probably won't take the capsule because mm-hmm. i'm having fun in this story like I'm just having fun exploring and there's you know you I don't want to just fast forward nah, jump till the nah, end. Nah, I don't story. I don't I don't want to just fast forward. Yeah. In some ways I want to like keep remaining naive. But if you just fast forward to the end of the story in some ways I think you're not naive anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to stay naive and like be stupid in some ways. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know, like I fell off my bike and like this part of my skin is never going to entirely grow back. Mm-hmm. And maybe I would have avoided it <laughs> if I knew everything <laughs> before. But like, come on, man. Like you never want to fall off a bike? What you? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, in short, right now I'm having fun and I'm just like, yeah, I'm fun. I'm like, this is fine. This is fine. I don't want to fast forward necessarily. Yeah. I but, feel like for me the hardest moments in which I might want to fast forward capsule or whatever is like when I was kind of sitting at the bottom of the valley and I can't really see the sky from the from the bottom of the valley so I can't tell like whether time are, is passing mm-hmm. or not and I can't tell if there is going to be an end to mm-hmm. this like sitting at the bottom of the valley thing. It's also kind of like you're walking in a dark tunnel and you don't know when it's going to be the end of the tunnel and whether there's going to be the light at the end of the tunnel. And then you're like, oh, please just take me towards the end of this story and I just want to fast forward live so that I can know it, like things are going to be okay. Is that how you feel right now? I guess not exactly right now, but like I've had that experience before. Mm. Well, it feels... I don't know whether there's going to be an end to yeah. things that I was experiencing. Because, well, especially, I guess, like, for the first time when you're experiencing something that hits you hard in life and you're like, oh, shit, this thing just happened and I'm, like, experiencing this for the first time. And, you know, all the books and other people tell me there's going to be an end to it and it's going to be okay eventually, but I'm in the myth middle of it and i don't know if it's eventually gonna happen or not yeah yeah i've also been in that situation yeah and sometimes it takes longer than you want but it has always changed yeah you just wanted a little bit more patience yeah sometimes it's just patience yeah yeah and patience and a willingness to go through whatever you're going through. A kind of time dilation happens when you don't want to go through what you're going through. And it makes it expand. Yeah. One time, almost literally, it happened. The first time I, that I did LSD, I was having a bad trip. And after a lot of just like twisted just like thinking feeling deciding in my head i was like okay 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 what is really definitely true is that i took this chemical into my body and it is 
going to go through its course and its effects are going to dissipate after some time. That much is true, you know. Because I didn't know what to believe. Like, my mind was just, like, tossing and turning and all kinds of things. I was like, am I going to die? Blah, 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 blah. All kinds of stuff. I was like, this much is true, I remember. Okay. How long is this going to stay in my body? It was difficult to do math. I was like, I think anywhere up to 12 or 13 hours. How much time has passed? I would look at how much time has passed. It was so difficult to figure out how much time was remaining and what did it mean and I had to imagine this pie chart in my head. How much time has passed versus how much time has... Anyway, at some point I figured out, okay, X number of hours. So I have to wait until it's this AM, you know. So I was like, all right, I got it. Nice. Okay, so now all I have to do is just like, just wait. So every few minutes I started checking the clock. And it slowed the fuck down. You know, just as I started checking the clock, it would seem like 10 minutes have passed, but I checked the clock and it's just two minutes. And then I remembered a story that I had read somewhere on the internet of a couple who had done acid or something else. And they were like knocked out or like they were like tripping for several hours. But when they came back, they said that in their experience, they had spent years. Mm-hmm. And that kind of reminded me of the movie that we watched together the last time in my plays. Yeah. That this person was saying, oh, you know, all the life that you've spent could be just another person's brand activity before death. Do you remember that part? What movie was this? It was, I think it was a movie shot in Austin and it was kind of like, looks like an anime. But oh, Waking totally, Life? Yeah. Maybe it was Waking Life. Yeah, could be. Yeah. So when that thought came into my mind, I was like, oh shit, I haven't actually figured this out. Because in terms of clock time mm-hmm. and the material biology, all of those conclusions are true. But in terms of my subjective experience, time is now dilating because I want this to be over. So in addition to patience, also willingness. Like it's all right for me to be feeling whatever I'm feeling. And the moment that willingness starts to go away, time starts to dilate. (laughs) Yeah. Einstein once said about his special theory of relativity. Oh, special theory of relativity was about how when you go fast, time, yeah, time dilates and stuff like that. The rate of passage of time has to do with your speed. But he, he once talked about it in a way that had nothing to do with the physics. He was like, oh, what is relativity? Well, it's about the fact that time passes at different rates. So, for example, if you're sitting in a park with a beautiful woman... Time is going to pass so much more faster than if you have your hand in boiling water. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've heard of that. Yeah. So, yeah, so so it's like, yeah, if it feels like this tunnel is not ending, then like come to a little bit more of a willingness. It's all right. This darkness is okay. But I definitely feel like to ask for willingness requires a specific sort of training because it's always against human nature to expect yourself to be willing to 
you know, be open to all this natural feelings. And yeah, and the practice there is the same as what I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. What I mentioned earlier was in the context of if you're feeling disconnected or sad or something like that, the thing is to just bring yourself to this present moment and open yourself up to all the ways that you're feeling. And if in this case you're feeling like you're in a valley and you cannot see the sky or you're in this tunnel and you cannot get out, then you you come into close proximity with all of the emotions that are associated with that feeling. Because it's not neutral. These are not neutral pictures. These are emotionally charged pictures. Maybe there's a sense of doom or... Yeah, some kind of sense of fear. So like sit and pay attention to what that feels like. So the willingness here is the willingness to feel the emotions that you're feeling. And that can make a difference in how quickly the time passes. And I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, sure. Thanks for joining us today in the Room of Lives for this crazy roller coaster ride. Take care, until next time.